Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello guys and welcome back to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast. This time we're live on Twitch for the first time ever. Um, it's it's crazy times. Um, we've got we've got a follower straight away at the start of the stream. Uh, obviously on Twitch you can come in and ask questions. So throughout this podcast there might be questions that we are answering as we go along because um, obviously this podcast will go out as a recording after the live recording. Um, as promised, we're back this week to talk about the week's news surrounding Aston Villa, but we're also going to touch on a few general footballing topics as well. Obviously, we'll take a look at Jack Grealish and how he performed against Brighton, uh, against Belgium, rather. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Marcus Rashford, John Terry, and much, much more. As always, I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter, at FindFoy, and I'm joined by Mark and Andy. What's going on, everybody? Mark Jerebi here. Good to good to be here. Good to be live on Twitch. Little 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 something different because not a lot of villain news. So, gonna run through some general tops and stuff like that. But as always, I am joined by the ever present, always positive, Mister Andy Bates. Hi guys, this is exciting, isn't it? Um, my son had to explain to me what Twitch was earlier. So, um, I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm 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 delighted to be on. It's nice to actually uh, actually be able to see you boys or Mark anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as as I said earlier, if anyone is watching this live, feel free to drop questions in the chat for us to talk through. Um, and if you are listening to this as an actual podcast, you can go back onto twitch.tv forward slash under a gaslit lamp and watch the live podcast back. So you'll be able to see all of our faces. Mark and uh, Andy can't see me at the moment because I'm streaming uh, directly from my webcam and that, obviously they can see each other, but just can't see me. Um, but on to Villa stuff, really. It, it seems as though the world's fine. Finally, waking up and smelling the claret and blue flowers when it comes to Jack Grealish. You know, he, he made his first competitive appearance for England uh, earlier in the week against Belgium and, and received praise near and far for his performance. He showed what he can do when given the confidence to do his thing, really. He was strong on the ball, forcing opponents into failing him, made beautiful passes, and of course, that flick that's gone viral all over the place. What were your thoughts, guys, on, on how... Greedish performed against Belgium. Uh, for me, I, I was actually able to see the whole game. It was over here on ESPN, so it, it was nice to actually sit down and watch the game. And to be honest, I kind of just like keyed in on on Jackie. I just wanted to see how he played and see how he moved. And you know, he didn't let me down. I don't think he met many, let many people that actually follow the three lines down either. Um, just beautiful passing, great movement, he, he, a willingness to get forward, a fearlessness. Um, but you know, it's it's difficult, I think, from a Aston Villa fan's perspective because we've been watching this for a while now and you know I think now that some of the opinions are going from oh Villa fans are just bigging up Grealish because that's really all they got to oh my god Jack Grealish is actually a fabulous football player so um I, I think it's it's amazing for Jack I, I you know not only for Jack but also for Villa but I mean that that performance you even in a loss you know even in, in a 2-0 loss to one of the arguably one of the 
best you know footballing sides internationally in the entire world. I, I just think that that that's exactly what Jack Grealish is, and that's what he can do. And the flicks and the trickery and the the willingness to get forward and and forcing someone to have to foul him. You know, people are starting to realize again that it's not diving. It's it's not him. You know you know, looking to go to the ground. It's, you know, how else are you supposed to stop this absolute madman from running through the entire heart of your defense? You know, it's it's not an easy thing. So sometimes you just got to take him down. But a- Andy, how did you feel about it as an Englishman? Because I'm because like I always say, you know, as an American, I don't really like talking about the English game, but I got to give respect where it's due. That, w- that was a wonderful performance for Mr. Jack Grealish. Yeah, I mean, you're going to keep an eye on it, aren't you, over there, Mark? Because you know, you've got a couple of a couple of Villa lads who are obviously close to your heart and they're they they they're both doing pretty well. So um I mean in terms of Jack, I mean yeah, I mean you said it all really. The the world is waking up to it now. And I actually think that um he he kind of took deflected a bit of attention off off Gareth Southgate um at the weekend because there was a lot of talk obviously about Jack's performance on the night and and not so much about, you know, a, a, another loss, really, another, you know, fairly, fairly uninspiring um, performance and, and, and loss. Although they probably deserved, they maybe deserved something out of the game. Um, but without sort of talking too much about England, I just thought, I just thought Jack really kind of, yeah, he, he deflected a lot of attention away from, from a you know the fact that England at the moment are a fairly pedestrian middle of the road team under Southgate and um someone said to me the other day that Grealish will be the man that saves Southgate's job and you can see that happening because the, the way he's potentially um setting up in that team and 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 taking the the, the England the England games by the scruff of the neck you could you could see him having a having a wonderful Euros and 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 potentially being a bit of a star come come next summer. So um, I think Southgate, you know, he's maybe held him back a little bit, but now he's 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 it's almost that situation where he's he's not droppable now. He's 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 in the side and he's he's going to make things happen for England and you know Harry Kane and people like that will will love playing with him. So very. Very proud, obviously, you know, to see him having seen him come through as a as a kid, you know, and um, what you know, just he's just go, he just goes on to another level all the time, all the time, every season. He seems to go up a level, and it's 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 wonderful to see. Um, did you watch the game, Regan? Uh, I watched the first half. I actually missed the uh, the, the little flick that he did. I only saw that on Twitter. Um, yeah, um, but you know, for, for me, he's. He's almost like a family member to every Villa fan that, that's out there. You know, everyone's so proud to see him perform, whether it's for Villa, whether it's for England. You know, even if he was, you know, a Qatari international and he was doing that for, for them, you know, everyone would be so proud to see it happening. Um, and I think, you know, regardless of, of how old fans are, whether they're, you know, 80, whether they're 60, whether they're 16, it, 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 you've got a group of fans here that are looking up to Jack as an older brother or, or thinking like he's, he's their like pro grandchild, your pro grandparent, you know, it's, it's so, I've never seen this kind of overbearing love for a player to do well, even when he's playing internationally, you, you know, like, I think, you know, I've compared Jack and David Beckham before in terms of the marketability and, and how they 
how they kind of hold themselves amongst a fan base. And, and you know, for, for England, David Beckham was very much the Mr. Marketable, and you know, it was it was all the the crazy hair and and the you know the the famous wife. And it, for me, Jack Grealish is just so enigmatic as 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 a player for 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 Villa and it, it's it's kind of seeping into England now you have in so many especially like journalists and, and and things like that come forward and and say you know he needs to be the first name on the team sheet you've got loads obviously that are saying differently um and and that's what football is about it's a game of opinion but he's immeasurable to to the Villa fan base in, in in what he is and I think given time he'll be immeasurable to the England team as well how much pride does it give you both obviously like we've, we've got two or three very different people here you know different ages and, and obviously Mark you're you're in America uh, how, how much pride does it give you as, as a Villa supporter to see Grealish performing both for club and country Personally, for me, it fills me with immense pride. And listen, like it's 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 no. I mean, you can just hear from my accent. Obviously, I'm not Brummy. I'm not from the West Midlands. I wasn't born in England. I'm not an expat. Anything like that. But I think you were just touching on the fact of you've never really seen a player that just gets so much support. And I think that's what it is because we've always supported Jackie Grealish and we've always wanted to see him get to this level. And we've said it for years and years and years. He's going to get there. You know, it just takes time. I hope it's with Villa. We always said, you know, in the championship years, I hope he doesn't get snatched up by somebody. I hope that, you know, no one comes in with a bid. I mean, what, what was it? We almost gave him the Tottenham for what? Six million and, and Joshua Anima, you know, not so long ago. That wasn't that long ago, folks. You know what I mean? So, you know, we knew that he was going to get to a point. We knew he was going to get to a level. We believed that, and we, you know, we're coming across that. And you spoke about the marketability of a David Beckham. Now, in my experience of doing my due diligence as, as a football, uh, you know, football fan and someone who obsesses over the sport, England's kind of always had this one player that is the marketable, the guy you look to. And Jack Grealish has that. He has the hair. He has the shin pads. He has the swagger on the ball. All those things. Jack Grealish could. I'm not saying he's going to have the career that David Beckham did or anything like that before anybody takes it out of context. But just on a markability standpoint, to be the guy that England looks at is this is our creative outlet. We're going to make sure we do whatever we have to do to get him the ball. Everything's going to move through him. He's got to be on song with the rest of the players. I think that's what we're going to see with Jackie Grealish. I don't think there's. I don't. I don't really think there's anything where his like form downturns. I think this is just his kind of like standard, like this is my level now, everything's going well, this is how I want to do, you know, do my thing. But I mean, it's just, it fills me with so much pride. I I, I love everything about his game. I, I love that, you know, I, I watched him come on, I said on last week's podcast with a shirt that looked like it was three or four sizes too big for him. And all of a sudden now he's, he's even in a loss, he was bossing one of the best international sides out there. So Andy, I, I, I know as someone who's been watching the villa and, you know, sat in, you know, rain filled matches and all that kind of stuff. I, I know you got to be really, really happy about how Jack Grealish is playing right now. Absolutely, and then the, one of the one of the things I mean, we touched on it before was the fact that everyone else is is now waking up to it, and everyone else is is, is getting on board with it. The amount of times I've had to I've talked to people um, online or or face to face from other clubs who have said, oh, he's just you know he's a bit of a fancy Dan, and he dives around and he spends all this time on the floor, and he's he's a cheat even you know, and you sort of say, well, yeah, okay, all right. You know, you sort of take it on the chin a little bit, but it, it you know, it, it's just not the case. And even now, you know, you hear journalists 
Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and one of the guys said, you can't afford, England can't afford to have a player like Jack Grealish in the team because you need everyone to be doing the workload. And this, people obviously are just not watching what he does. His, his, his defensive work, his work off the ball, you know, the way he slots into the shape, the way he's, 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 he helps the fullback, the way he, he links it. And, and all that's, the, the all-round game is, is, is totally there. And okay, he plays from, from from the left hand side of a of an attacking of the attacking three and he's he is obviously a very very flair player you know he's one of those flair players but he's not David Ginola he's not someone who's not going to do the running you know I, I I don't get that mentality and it's it's clearly from people that even the the, the national journalists who, who perhaps just watch the clips or watch the highlights, you know, it's, or they assume that because he's got a, an element of flair that he's, he doesn't put the work in. And it, it's just not true. I mean, this lad, you know, I think since he recovered from that kidney injury, I think we were talking about this before, you know, he's, he, he's just been obsessed with getting to the top, you know, and not letting another chance slip him slip by because clearly that was um, a, ch- a chance he had, or the chance that, that that nearly went for him wasn't it? He, he nearly lost his career um, at that point, and he's not prepared to do that again. And he's he's put the hours in. He's learnt off John Terry. I think Steve Bruce was a massive influence on him as well. And you know he's he's just he, you know the work that he's put in is paying off now. And he's not just a fancy Dan luxury player. He is a you know a proper team player as well as being. A fantastic attacking outlet, and, and you know, yeah, we 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 love him, and you know, I've always said there's only t- two players possibly that I would, you know, that that phrase I would pay to watch, you know, by themselves, and Paul Merson's one, and Jack Grealish is the other, and you know, um, that's the Villa players, of course, and and I, I stand by that, but he's he's gone above that in my in my estimation. I don't think there's a better player in the Premier League at the moment. I, I genuinely don't. You know, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, I, I would have to agree. You know, you've you've got the likes of you know De Bruyne, Mane, and, and they're gonna they're gonna bag goals. They're gonna hit you know twenty goals a season or you know a huge amount of assists. But for what Jack offers to a team. You, you know, none of them can really match it. Uh, there's one word that's kept been like thrown about quite a bit from pundits and and on and on social media as well and that's fearless you know Grealish is 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 willing to to drive forward at the with the ball at his feet and he's willing to drop deep deep to get onto the ball um but you know we we spoke about journalists kind of t- turning towards him i mean journalists were 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 quite on the on the Grealish ball anyway but it, it, he's turning pundits now as well you know we, we've already spoke about Ian Wright um but now you've got the likes of Andy Cole and even even Roy Keane who I believe was assistant manager when when Grealish was coming through the ranks. Um, you know, he, he's he's won over some serious pundits that that aren't necessarily easy to please. Um, perhaps the next one is, is Sunes, but I can't 
see that one happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sudas is going to say anything nice for a while. I don't know, because Roy Keane had some really nice words about Jack. You know, he said that even at my short time at Villa, I loved, you know, being there, very nice people, very hardworking people. And he said even, you know, when Roy Keane was here, and that was, you know, that was relatively early into the, the maturation process of Jack Grealish, he, he said, you know, he wants the ball at his feet. He wants to go forward. He wants to be fearless. He has no fear. He knows what he can do. He, he believes in his ability, and it's a rare thing. And for, you know, a guy like Roy Keane, who really is of the old world, you know, idea that hard work is everything. You don't have to be the most talented. You have to work hard. So if Roy Keaton sees something that Jack Grealish is working hard and he has the skill set that he does, that's another just uh, another compliment to, you know, you, you can you can put it up there. And, you know, the Ian Wright thing that, that happened, you know, last week, we all know what he said about it. But now with Roy Keane, I think this is a different one because this is someone who has is just so hard nosed and he's so tough. And, you know, not only as a footballer, but also as a personality, he, he doesn't he, he's not easily one to give praise for something that he might view as ordinary. So for him to talk about Jack Grealish means that there's something extraordinary about, about the player. And, you know, I, I think that it, it's probably something where Jack probably saw that little clip of him talking and was just like, all right, I got Roy on my side now. All right, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I'm, I must be doing something right if I got Roy Keane saying nice things about me. Yeah, and I, I think when you talk about fearless players as well. You tend to it's something we we tend to link to being younger. So a, a younger player who's coming in and they're fearless and they run at the players and all that. And then usually by the age of 23, 24, 25, when they've had a few knocks and a few injuries and a few kicks, they get a little they go a little bit more into their shell. And they're a little perhaps a little bit more astute about when to when to be fearless, I suppose. But Jack the amount of times for him to be kicked as much as he has to have had at least two very serious long-term injuries and to still come back and still want to go and want to take the player on and want to draw the foul and want to get kicked kicked from behind and all the rest of it that happens to him multiple times in a game. I mean, it's, it's, it's bravery. I don't, I don't want to say is he, is he a bit a bit daft in the head maybe, but I mean, fair play to him because he just keeps going, he keeps getting up. And I, I actually think, speaking about Roy Keane, I think that's the sort of thing that, that Roy Keane would appreciate about him because Roy Keane would want to kick him up in the air every time, you know. And, and, and there would be a, um, a, probably a common, a, a mutual respect there that, Actually, Jack Grealish can take the ball around Roy Keane and make him look silly. Roy Keane can kick him up in the air, but Jack's going to get up and he's going to take it, take it on the chin. And you know, I, I think that's where that mutual respect comes from, as well as obviously recognizing that he's a tremendous player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we're talking, the the England team sheet for tonight has just been announced, and and Jack is starting again. Uh, the lineup is Pickford, Walker, Trippier, Dyer, Maguire, Mount, Rice, Kane, Grealish, Foden, Saka. So that's three international appearances on the bounce now for Jack. Um, obviously, I think the Iceland ones are friendly. Is it off the top of no, my head? It's Nation, Nations League. Is it Nations League? Yeah, but it's a it's a dead rubber. I think it's there's nothing on it. Yeah. So you know that's two competitive starts in a row, and obviously the the, the friendly appearance as well. Do you think that it, th- there's an issue here that you know going into the Brighton game that Jack could be a bit fatigued? Um, you know, lo- lots of lots of training, lots of uh, I, p- I presume traveling. Um, 
with with the England squad, it could it could this cause an issue moving into the weekend's fixture? I mean, we'll, we'll get on to the Brighton game as far as what we're looking for and what we're expecting. But I think um, I think Jack Grealish is going to be on such a high for making this first competitive cap and then making the second. Um, I think he goes into the weekend and he'll probably sit down with Dino and go, all right, Gaffer, why don't we go get two goals in the first half and you can yank me off on the 55th and we'll just, you know, we'll just pack it in. I think he kind of has that personality to where he would be like, all right, I'm fired up now. Yeah, I probably need to rest. Legs are a little tired, you know, traveling and whatnot. But let me get on this pitch. Let me do my thing for Villa. And then you, you can, you know, take me right off the pitch, you know, 55, 60 minutes or something like that. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. He, he, he's probably going to be a little tired, but again, I think he's going to be on such a high. And you know, he and he's he's definitely not the only Villa player coming back from uh, the international break, probably on a high. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think Jack Grealish wants to play as much football as possible. I think now the the gear has been shifted. He wants to show the world. He wants to show everybody that you know you. A lot of people doubted me. A lot of people doubted my ability, and now I'm here to tell you that you know you you, you messed up. You were wrong. <laughs> you know I, I have the ability. But Andy, do you think do you think it, we're going to see anything like that? Do you think we're going to see him maybe be a little bit more uh, maybe a spring in the step of Mr. Grealish here going into Brighton? Absolutely, I think he'll he will he'll hit the ground running uh, for Brighton. I don't think there'll be any issues. He's not had to travel. He's only it's, it's been two games at Wembley and one in in Belgium, hasn't it? So it's 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 not huge really in terms of travelling. Um, and I think he's the sort of player that that just his fit his whole fitness and his whole game is based around playing matches. Um, I think we're going to have to be a little bit careful with him because the thought of potentially losing him again for a period of time. I mean, even last season he he, he missed a few weeks, didn't he? And they're going to have to watch his fitness levels. They're going to have to monitor him really carefully. I know they have a lot of um, a lot of technology and medical ex- expertise when it comes to things like that at the club, as they do at all the Premier League clubs. Um, which which begs the question: Why Pep and Klopp are moaning about it when they've got all the technology available to them? But you know, um, but. Yeah, I think he'll he'll go into that game, and I think I think we have to be. I'd like to see Dean Smith being a little bit braver about maybe taking him off at times. He doesn't have to play every minute of the game, you know, and particularly if you are leading a game, um, you know, you can you can take him off and put a runner on, put an El Ghazi or or a Traore on or or something, and you know, I th- you know, I, I worry a little bit that some players they're almost indispensable and they can't. But you know, but you've got to be able to take players off if 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 they're flagging or if if they're tied, because otherwise you see what happened to Gomez when he joins up with England, he gets a an injury which is purely innocuous and and down to down to to fatigue and and you the thought of losing Jack for potentially you know what if he had a Gomez injury it'd be the end of the season, wouldn't it? So we can't do that. So we we have to monitor him, I think, and be careful with him. Absolutely, and let's hope that a friend of the blog, Burke Bjornsson, doesn't two foot him either. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, none of, none of that for keep, keep keep the hammer at home, buddy. Don't don't, don't yeah. bring it on the pitch. Um, in other international news Scotland qualified for the Euros and in turn qualified for their first competitive tournament in 22 years the game against Serbia wouldn't be finished without a bit of drama as a late goal from the Serbs drew drew the game at one apiece Obviously, it eventually went to penalties where Scotland keeper David Marshall kept an Alexander Mitrovic 
spot kick from crossing the line and, and you know happy for happy for them you know with there's obviously a lot of rivalry between england and scotland but i like to see the the home nations do well um you know it's very much like the euros when when we went out and uh no, not the Euros, actually. Was it the World Cup? I can't remember. I've lost track of... When Wales got to the... Yeah, the, the, the last Euros, wasn't it? Yeah, Wales got yeah, to the semi-final. Yeah. yeah. I, like to, I like to see, you know, teams do well. Um, and especially so when they've got our players in, in the squad and even more so when, you know, they're a home nation. I, I don't kind of buy into the whole rivalry between the, the, the British Isles. Um, but obviously I know it's a lot of stuff to do with politics and religion that was <laughs> uh, was happening a long time before I was born. Um, but yeah, John McGinn played the 83 minutes for Scotland. Um, and, you know, there was there was Premier League mainstays within the, the Scotland squad, like Robertson and Kieran Tierney. Um Congratulations to any of our Scottish supporters that may be listening. You know, we can't, we couldn't imagine the joy after after that penalty kick save. You know, twenty two years and you're finally back at a major tournament. You know, McGinn was seen with a with a Scottish flag draped over his back like a cape after the game. You know, I'm happy for him especially. Do you think that qualifying for a major tournament maybe? maybe light a fire under him for, for for Villa you know he's he's not doing bad he he's playing quite well this season I think he's got four assists so far but do you think it's an added like you know kick up the arse to say go on McGinn you, you, you can kind of get into some real good form before the Euros actually happen I, I think he'll he'll come back in great spirits. Um, I'm just hoping he doesn't come back drunk because we all know how our Scottish friends like to have, have, have a, you know, a little bit of alcohol or a little, little bit of spirits whenever, you know, whenever things are going well. Um, obviously, again, I echo the sentiments of congratulations to anybody who supports, you know, under a gaslit lamp from Scotland. I'm sure it was, it's an amazing time. I heard the country is absolutely buzzing. I, I've seen some, some videos online of, of, of things going on in the street. And man, I'll tell you, I got to get my ass to Scotland at some point in time and party with those folks. Um, but, um, John again, I think this is going to be a big thing. You know, I think he does carry a certain amount of national pride. And I think that he knew how much this means not only probably to him, but also to the country as well. So it's almost the same thing with Grealish. I'm looking forward to him coming back and I'm looking forward to him maybe kicking on and like in a way that you might have not seen since the first or second, you know, year we've we've had him. Um, I I do. I think he's going to come back as like a Tasmanian devil. And it's just going to give him that like, all right, you know, I, I got over that hump. It's been on my mind for a long time. It's something we really wanted to do as a nation. Now let me get back and and you know you know hang out with the boys and see what we can do moving forward in the Premier League. But I don't know, Andy. Does, can you see him again, kind of kicking up in form a little bit, or do you think he comes back with a little bit of a hangover after that uh, after the celebrations? I think he'll be used to the hangovers. Um, I think it's it's a great achievement for Scotland. I'm, I'm, you know, as Regan said, I think as 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 English people, we 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 carry a certain a certain amount of um, ingrained guilt towards our um, our British counterparts, and uh, they certainly don't don't wish us well (laughs) in the same way that we we perhaps like to see them do well. they, 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 let's get it right. They, they pretty much hate us, um, you know. But, but, you know, it, it is good. It's good for the country. And I think one thing, um, as a side to to John McGinn, who I love, by the way, he's probably my favourite player. Um, is is it just shows how vital international football still is. We we certainly have a bit of a um, 
a, a down sort of view of it in this country. We're, 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 it's all a bit boring until we get to the, the actual tournament. It's, it's all a bit dull and we want our Premier League football. But for a lot of countries to, to, to actually achieve that and get into the, get into a finals, get into, um, in this case, the Euros and Wales, of course, qualified as well. Um, it's it's a major major thing for the country, and when Scotland go to these tournaments, the the atmosphere and the the fun and the party they bring is 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 is, is absolutely second to none. Um, so I think it's a- absolutely brilliant, and I can't wait. Hopefully, to to have England playing Scotland at Wembley next summer with a ma- with a full packed out Wembley. Hopefully. That will that will be the case. It depends on a lot of things that we can't really control, but that would just be absolutely amazing after the the year or so we've had. And um, I, you know, I just I just love it. I just I'm I'm delighted. And again, you know, to see McGinn and, and Grealish hopefully lining up against each other that day will be will be lovely for Villa fans. So delighted for McGinn, and I think yeah, I think he'll come back and he'll he'll be absolutely. Ready to go, as with Grealish, as with Douglas Luiz, who's also had a good time of it in Brazil. So, yeah, let's um, let's celebrate it, you know. And yeah, congratulations to the Scots. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll look forward to beating you next summer. <laughs> and uh, as a closing little note on on John McGinn, um, have you seen the the, the explanation for that uh, A celebration that's been happening? Um, you know that Jack did and Barkley did. Apparently, it's a, a little group chat uh, called the Avengers on WhatsApp, um, and it's got, I believe, Deli Ali, James Madison, Ben Chilwell. Uh, Jack Grealish, Ross Barkley and John McGinn in it and to me John McGinn do- doesn't seem like the kind of person that would be in that group chat I feel like Jack's kind of gone go on mate I'll, I'll get you in with the lads um, but I, I'm pretty sure he was on holiday with them all over the summer um, but it, he just doesn't seem that you know Barkley does Barkley seems like the kind of guy to be in being an exclusive footballer's group chat but McGinn McGinn doesn't it I feel like Jack's kind of taking him under his wing a bit and, and giving him a bit of the limelight I don't know I think I think uh, John McGinn's one of those you know if you're going out on a night out and you've got a group of lads and someone goes Oh, by the way, McGinn's coming, and you think, "Oh God, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to get crazy now. It's, this is, <laughs> this is going to turn into a into a six in the morning job." Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm sure he holds his own in that kind of company. Yeah, under under no circumstances can Gareth Southgate get a hold of any of their phones to see what's going on in that WhatsApp group. <laughs> under no circumstances, it'll be absolutely terrible. So, just keep keep the phones locked away, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's turn the talk to uh, another England international who who dropped out of the squad actually for these set of uh, internationals and that's that's Marcus Rashford MBE. Um, he's found national news again uh, recently, but it's a little confusing as to why in the first place. Uh, the Daily Mail published an article with the sole purpose of, of shaming him really because he'd bought five properties to the tune of around two million pound uh you know we're, we're all aware that rashford's put himself above and ahead in terms of of making sure that you know kids don't go without their free school meals over the holidays he, he started a new reading uh pledge th- in the last couple of days um you know no one really argued that rashford's actions have had any ill effect he's he's come from nothing he's bought property to to 
protect his his investments and and, and things like that. You know, and you, you see people coming out and saying, "Oh, why can't Rashford just feed these these players off his own back?" You know, why are we using taxpayers' money? That the man pays a lot of tax. He's you know earning a lot of money, and he's he's probably paying more tax than than I've probably paid so far in my working life. Um, with with just one you know one monthly tax bill probably um but you know as well as well as this i do think that that there is a slight issue with it i think he was a little tone deaf because he did a, a, an exclusive interview with the sun um and it's almost like you know you, you you're taking you're taking stuff from from one evil with the male having to go at him and then you're giving something to the other evil by by allowing the sun that exclusive interview um you know what do you guys make of the whole situation obviously rashford's doing nothing but positives but you know there's a lot of kind of maybe subliminal subliminal racism within the english press um you know we've seen sterling deal with it i I don't know why we have to kind of tear down uh our players regardless of their race regardless of their economic background or how much they're earning you know it's it's a quite often occurrence for the the English press to kind of tear people down for doing good things. Andy, I'll let you get on this one first, just for the fact that, you know, it's, I I do feel that the media of how uh, players are treated and what they buy and like their finances, I think that's like way overblown in England of uh, opposed to America where most of our sports have a salary cap and it's actually very well known by the fans, how much these players are actually making, you know, over in England, it seems like it's kind of like a guesstimation, like, per week and it's not that's not like how it is over here it's like per year it's annually and the only reason the fans even get to know about stuff like that is because there's salary caps and you have to work within a cap so over here like we don't really like i don't care if my favorite ice hockey player goes and buys 10 properties for however many millions of dollars it's it's none of my business but i would love to hear your insight on on the whole you know thing going on with marcus rashford it just seemed incredibly unfair to me it's just a very strange strange thing i think it comes down to that the kind of still um sort of dog whistle, dog whistle racism um, and also the um, negativity from certain certain publish, publications about, um, about you know, young working class men uh, becoming rich, doing something that isn't necessarily, um, you know, through going to posh schools and, 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 and sort of almost being put at the top. You know they 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 have a talent and an ability, and they they work in an industry that obviously you know is incredibly um, wealthy, and um, they they earn huge amounts. And I mean that you know the, the amount that Premier League footballers earn is is kind of another debate, really, and it's it's not really relevant to 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 this debate. But clearly, some people can't get their heads around the fact that. Um, uh, you know, a young man, and in this case, a young black man, who can can go out and buy five properties and and, and spend two million pounds doing that as an investment. Um, whereas, clearly, if um, you know, if if, if someone, you know, a, a, a sort of middle upper class um, man from even a young man from from Eton who'd been to Eton and Cambridge and things like that, did it, it wouldn't be an issue. It happens all the time. People buy properties at you know, for as investment, um, you know the rights and wrongs of that. You know, we 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 won't get into. But he's making a personal investment, and it's it's absolutely fine. And the fact that 
he chooses to do that. Um, for some people, they can't get their head around he's doing that. But at the same time, you know, he wants the government to give children free food. You know, <laughs> and the fact that they can't get their head around that just 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 really worries me really bothers me because it's it's two t- entirely different th- things what what rashford has done over that's been highlighted during the pandemic in particular is 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 draw attention to to huge issues in society and huge you know gaps in in funding in society and the way that certain groups in society are generally treated and and essentially left to rot and you know it's it, it, just because he's not putting that 2 million pounds into feeding children i'm sure i'm convinced that marcus rashford puts a lot of his own wealth into these issue into these these um these uh things that he's he's pushing i'm, I'm convinced of it he he he's he's no need or there should be no entitlement for us to know exactly what he does along with lots of other players footballers I think that are, are far more socially aware than they ever have been in my opinion um they're putting back into their into their um communities and into those those areas where they grew up in that, that and it and it's it's absolutely it's great to see but what the, what Marcus Rashford is asking for is that is that the government take responsibility for that and that's absolutely the way it should be. The government should be looking after the people of the country. There's no no question in my mind about that. And these initiatives, I mean, the reading one, I think I just think that's wonderful. I just think that you know what a thing to give back. You know, he's taking things from his childhood which were perhaps lacking, and saying, "Well, I want to give." You know, as 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 we would perhaps, you know, if 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 we got children ourselves, that if there's something in our childhood that we didn't feel we had the opportunity to do, we might go out of our way to make sure our children had that opportunity. But Marcus Rashford is doing that for trying to do that for every child in society. It's a, it's it's an amazing thing, and for the Daily Mail to to essentially try to um, smear that in some way and make it something something a bit underhand and I just I just thought it was absolutely disgusting and you know you know I have no I mean I don't read the Sun or the Daily Mail myself um, but he's just using in terms of selling his story to the Sun I think he's just using his platform um, using their platform to to push his initiative I'm sure he has no particular um, other reason for doing that you know it's clearly something that the sun is, has a huge readership, and you know he's 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 putting it putting his initiative out there, and yeah, use and abuse them. I say, uh, yeah. For for me, I like I I was looking at this why the the spin of he bought five properties for two million dollars, and you know he's trying to work with kids, he's trying to get kids meals, he's trying to get kids reading. Do you not think that these role mo- you know him as a role model, these kids aren't going to look up to Marcus Rashford and be like, 
oh, Marcus is still pretty young and he's starting to look out for his own future. Maybe when I get to that age, I'll be in a position to look out for my future in a financial sense. And of course, it's probably not going to be five properties at the tune of $2 million. But if you do happen to come across or save a little bit of money or work hard and you want to invest things, you can, you know, solidify your future for the better. That's how I took it. I don't know if that's me being a little bit too, you know, positive about, you know, how, how being a role model actually works. But, you know, there are young kids who will think like that. They're not going to think like, oh, I wish I could live in, in one of those properties that Marcus Rashford, but no, they're going to, they're, you know, they're actually going to look up to him and see the things that he's doing for me, from my perspective. And again, I, I, you know, I don't read much, you know, English, you know, newspapers or anything like that. You know, every once in a while, I flip on the BBC to just see some things, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't understand why this guy's getting dragged through the mud. I don't care how athletes spend their money. I don't care how anybody spends their money. It's none of my business. You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody else and as long as you're, you know, you're trying to, you know, protect yourself one way or the other. I mean, are, are we going to start, uh, you know, being upset with all these athletes that are getting these attack dogs for their property. Those aren't expensive. Those are very expensive dogs. They're very trained. You know, I just don't understand like, where does it stop? Like if we're going to go after an athlete for trying to protect his future, make a solid investment, are we going to turn around and start, you know, getting on, on these players backs about, you know, protection or if they put a wall around their house or if they buy a brand new car or, you know, like it just, it, it just seems never ending to me. I, I don't know. I just, I just don't get it at all. Just leave the man alone. He's trying to do so much positive. I don't know why, like every time it seems like we live in a, in a world now where someone does something positive and you got to kind of try to peel back the layers and find something that's negative. It's just, I don't know. It's just, just a sad state really. Uh, another another one as well you know he's he's almost being attacked from within his club rather than by the press well it, it meza Erzel, um you know he he offered to pay gunnosaurus's wages after uh the the mascot got the sack um he, I'm pretty sure he offered to pay the wages of of those that that were made redundant, um, to so that they would be able to keep their jobs. And he's very outspoken politically about you know, um, quite quite horrific things going on in the world. And a lot of people believe he's being frozen out because of his political views, but you know it. He's being attacked from within football almost, whereas Rashford's being supported by football and attacked by the press. Um, Ozil's being supported by the press and attacked by the football almost. And, you know, it, it's very interesting to, to compare the two. Uh, they're both very charitable men, both, both you know, exciting footballers. But it, it is very interesting to, to, to compare the, the situation of the two. Yeah, and you, you can't you can't please all the people all the time either. And with Ozil, a lot of people don't know if you actually, like, it, it, it won't it'll take you 15 minutes go look up some of the things this man has done for charity some some of the ways he spent his money it's not a money you know it's i don't know it's it's one of those things man like there are footballers out there that are very charitable athletes not even just footballers athletes all around the world that are very charitable came from you know very poor beginnings in life didn't get dealt a great hand and they finally work their tail off to get to a certain level they might you know get their get a big contract or even not even a big contract i've seen athletes that make far less than what a, an average Premier League player makes that donates a large percent of their salary to certain local organizations or they spend time doing stuff with like Make-A-Wish or things like that. You know, it's just people usually only want to see what the media wants to cover. And it's just sad that, you know, we live in a world where the negative headlines usually get the most attention. Um, 
Yes, I think in the case of Ozil and the case of Rashford, I think you know they do things in a in a pretty different way. But I do think they're both charitable men, and I think that it's not a show. It's not just like oh, look what I did, look at this money I gave to this place. And I think they genuinely care, um, especially in the case with with Rashford. I think he he really wants he really wants to help because he knows what it's like to grow up and not have that help. Um, so hats off to him. I, I absolutely adore him and. You know, I you know even look up to him at some points. Like, let's be a little nicer in this world, and not to be soft, not to be corny, but you know, you can you know you can make that an effort in your life to be a little bit nicer to people and try to help out those that are less fortunate. Yeah, and I I I absolutely echo that. I think you're you're absolutely right, and I think in terms of Rashford, um, he's done all this as well from a, a an apolitical position. He's not he's not you know he's not he's working. He's trying to work with. The current government, the Conservative Party, is trying to work with Boris Johnson and and change policy and 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 drive change for policy, and he's doing that using his platform and and his follower followership. So, you know, he's not doing it in a way. He's not attacking the government. He's not, you know, he's not a a, a supporter of a different. As far as I'm aware, you know, he's he's just he's just coming at it from the point of view of we need to we need to do more to look after these children and you know what a what a legacy to have and i really hope i th- you know i heard someone else say this um the other day that i really hope um when we do get back into football grounds that wherever marcus rashford visits he gets a huge huge reception because um he for me has transcended um sporting rivalry or anything like that he is he is an absolute hero in my in my opinion um great footballer as well you know but what what a what a guy and you know he's 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 just done so much and i hope he gets a really really good reception when when we can go back to grounds um and and give that to him yeah yeah i completely agree you know it'd be it'd be nice to see you know a full stadium standing up on their feet applauding the man because he, he definitely deserves it um let, let's move back on to more villa related things it's becoming more and more frequently reported you know it, and it happens quite often you know it's a, once every three months or so um that, that john terry's going to be leaving his assistant coaching role at villa, villa sooner rather than later you know, there's been a number of clubs, number of clubs linked with him, essentially handing him his first chance at management. But you know, the latest rumour states that Terry may be linking up with Rooney at Derby County. Do you think that Terry leaves in the middle of a season for one? And do you think he 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 doesn't take a big job when he actually decides to go into management? Um, or do you think it's a bit of a grasp at straws? And you know, people know that he wants to eventually move into management, and he, he they're just trying to you know grab some clicks. I mean, obviously, he's going to want to move into management and managing you know a team of players and belong to a club. I, I don't think that's too crazy to say. I think it would be absolutely insane for him to leave in the middle of a season. Um, you know, it's not a very big legacy, but he would ruin some sort of of. of a level of respect that he has from the Aston Villa fan base if he would jump ship in the middle of a season while we're doing the best we've done in years, basically, other than, you know, the the winning run we went on to get to the playoff final. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just there, there was rumors before of him joining West Brom. I don't think he would disrespect Villa like that. I don't think he would go to West Brom. And now we're talking about Derby County. Um, I honestly don't think that he wants to 
coached with somebody that was was a player around his you know around his time of being you know, an actual player. It doesn't make sense to me. I think he wants it to be his own. You know, he doesn't want to go to Darby County and Wayne Rooney still sticking around as like co-managers or one's an assistant, one's the other one or whatever. Like that's not going to work. I think when Terry does make the move, it might happen this coming summer. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but there's got, it's got to be the right move for him at the right time with the right board that understand that he's probably going to use whatever club he steps into as a springboard. It's almost going to be just like the Frank Lampard thing. It's a little ironic that Darby County is the team that's being linked, but it might be one of those things for Terry to just jump in, get your feet wet, see how it is with, you know, being the manager that everybody looks towards. But I don't think that it's in any danger that we're, we're talking, you know, January 13th and John Terry's like, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. There's an opening at Wickham. I'm out of here. See you later. You know, I just, I just don't, I I don't see that happening. I, I, and surely not a rival to Villa. I think he has much more respect for Aston Villa than to go to a rival or do anything like that. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And I think, um, yeah, absolutely. He's going to want to, be a manager. He's he's said, hasn't he, multiple times that that's what he's working towards. Um, I do sometimes think, though. I mean, some some play ex players and and so on. They some some people just are better at being assistant manager, aren't they? You know, not everyone makes a real go of being a manager, and I think people assume that because John Terry was obviously a legendary captain um, at Chelsea, that he would he would automatically make a good manager and, and that's not necessarily true. Um, and I think he will know when it's the right time. I don't think he's going to, I certainly don't think jumping ship middle of the season for all the reasons you suggested, Mark, but also um, the fact that you get no time to work with your players or build your squad in the middle of the season. You know, if he's going to take a job, it's going to be, you know, in, in May, June, when he's going in, he can he can plan his preseason. He can he can get some players in that he wants. You know he's got that level of control to to go in and and, and hit the ground running next August, not in the middle of the season. Well, you know, and 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 you'd question the the the, the common sense with appointing someone like John Terry middle of the season. What are you expecting? You know, is he is he coming? If he's coming in middle of the season, he's presumably coming into to firefight and keep a team in the league in the whatever league they're in. You know, he's got no experience of that from a manager's point of view. It's it's and, and automatically then he's if he gets relegated, he's a failure already, you know, in management. Nah, come on. He he said when he when he started at Villa, he said, I'm looking for, you know, experience for five years before I, I take the job. Now it might come around sooner than that, but I think he's got a plan and I think he knows what he wants. And I agree with you as well. He's not going to go and be assistant manager to Wayne Rooney. Um, he was Rooney's captain for years, you know. Same with Lampard, you know. he's He would see himself in that relationship as top dog. You know, he's, he's not going to go and be Lampard's assistant. He's not going to go and be Rooney's assistant. You know, he may eventually take the Chelsea job when once Lampard is a is a distant memory at Chelsea, but not not under him. He's not going to take a, an assistant job under him. Um, but but I just think as well, you know, he's clearly got a, a massive um, role at Villa, and I think he loves being at Villa. I think there's no question about it. It's his it's his now his second club, if you like. You know, he'll always be a Chelsea man, won't he? But it's his second club, and 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 I think he loves um, he loves being at Villa. He loves working with Dean Smith. 
he's probably learning loads off Shakespeare. I mean, he loves being around Jack Grealish. They're good mates and, and that as well. So, you know, he's, he's got it all at Villa at the minute and, you know, potentially, you know, this could be a, a very good season and one to put on the CV um, for the future. So, yeah, I hope he stays. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of John Terry. And, you, you know, there's nothing to say that we wouldn't hire internally if if we were to get to sack Dean Smith. You know, that we have the option of, of, of almost promoting Shakespeare or promoting Terry because at the moment there's not many mid-table shall we say Premier League managers available you know you've got the the, the managers that are, are free um, like Pochettino like Allegri that that wouldn't give Villa a sniff in in the current f- form anyway you know maybe let's say we we, we finish top six and you know cut, grow, grow from there then perhaps yeah we could attract those kind of managers but you know if, if we were to ever get rid of Dean Smith I can see us hiring internally and you know that could be what Terry's waiting for yeah I, I mean I, I agree with that I think it's also probably you know one of the reasons why they saw an opportunity to bring Craig Shakespeare in the door, knowing that John Terry might leave at some point, you know, just for the fact of like, okay, well, we might lose John and he might go and, and get his shot and that he's probably earned. I would say he pro- he's probably earned that. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he's a household name, arguably, depending on who you ask and what part of the world, probably one of the great, if not the greatest center back of all time in the Premier League. There's a lot of people, that, you know, it's, it's debatable, but, you know, there is a lot of people that really, really um, rate Terry as a player. And now that he's a manager and a villa, and yeah, it's, it doesn't look great that you finish 17th on the last day of the season, but, you know, taking into account why that happened and how we ended up there, um, I, you know, that's, that's an escape. We came out of Project Restart with a totally different look defensively. So um, he'll get there eventually, but I I do think that there was a little bit in the Shakespeare signing, which which I've said previously and wrote about previously on under a gaslitlamp.com about that Shakespeare might end up being one of the best signings that we could have we could have had this year. And I, 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 fir- I firmly, firmly believe that um, just the experience level, uh, just like Andy just said, uh, Terry's going to learn off Shakespeare. I bet you Dean Smith's learning off Craig Shakespeare. You think about, you know, you think about how long that, that Shakespeare's been around the game and some of the players that he's brushed shoulders with or mentored or took by the shoulder and said, hey, you know, check this out. You know, we're going to look at this. You know, I'm sure Dean absolutely loves having someone like Shakey around. Um, you know, we, we've even seen Troy Deeney you know, lately talk about how, how important Craig Shakespeare is. So I think that, that, that Terry's going to be just fine, but I, I don't see him leaving just in the middle of the season, not when things are going as, as well as it is now. And, you know, we've got some real players here and, and, and Terry, Terry was a player himself. So I, I think that he can probably see that as well, that this club is moving in a positive direction. You know, we're not, we're probably not going to finish second in the league table this season or anything like that. I would, I would, I would give you my arm right now for it, but why not? Yeah, right. <laughs> why not? Right, <laughs> but it, it's it's still the whole thing of he's going to get his shot. Someone's going to come, you know, come in to bring him in as a manager. It, it eventually will happen, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's nailed on to have a go, and it, he'll want it, he'll want his first his first job to be successful because you know managers get quickly um, forgotten about if they they have a couple of dodgy attempts. Um, he'll want to go in the right place and. You know, like Regan said, it's it's potentially part of the reason he he may have been <clears throat> appointed in the first place is is as a succession plan to Dean Smith at, at some point. Um, I'd like to think not in a way, but certainly if something happened and Dean Smith left in the middle of the season, 
or at the end of the season, John Terry would be ready to take over, wouldn't he? Um, so, <clears throat> you know, that's possible. But I think I just like, I just really like the setup at the moment with, with, um, with, you know, Smith and his, his, his three assistants and, and Cutler as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great at the minute and um, it seems to be working. So let's hope he, he, it stays like this till the end of the season and we, we get that second spot. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Now, the, the international break's almost over and, and obviously that means that the Premier League is, is soon returning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There are some pretty tasty games coming up for Villa in the coming weeks, but first, the Villains will host Brighton and Hove Albion at Villa Park. Brighton has only won a single game out of eight so far, and I haven't found a win in their previous five games. They currently sit 16th with six points and a negative goal difference. Neil Mapai leads the scoring for the Seagulls with four goals to his name, but Brighton will be pretty desperate desperate for points and they're going to be fighting tooth and nail for, for something from this game. Are you guys overly positive about this game due to how well we played against Arsenal or do you think it's a potential banana skin that we need to avoid? I think it's kind of right down the middle a little bit. I am very positive about it personally. I think that Villa's going to make things a little bit worse for Brighton. But again, on the other side of that fence, you know, Brighton's going to be fighting to get out of the position they're in. Um, You see some of the money they've spent. You see some of the players they brought in. They're they're not world-class players by any means, but they should have fit into that system down there with who was already there um, at Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, I'm just just saying keep keep Malpe off the score sheet. Uh, This this might be one of those kind of like boring 1-0 games. Um, but I'm okay with that. Just, you know, you got, you got a lot of players coming back from the international break. Again, we talked about it earlier. We don't know, you know, what the legs are going to be like, what the stamina is going to be like, but I am, I am pretty confident that that Villa can, can find a way to win this, but I, I don't think it's going to be a three, four nil, you know, kind of game for Villa. If it is, I'll be ecstatic. You know, I'd, I'd be absolutely over the moon with it. Um, but I just think it's going to be a little bit tougher than people think coming off an international break and, you know, some of the excitement that's happened, you know, internationally for some of the Aston Villa players. Andy, do you think that this is going to be a demolition job by Villa or do you think that, you know, Brighton finds a way to make it interesting? <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, it's set up to be a really good game. And I think um, the issue that Villa are going to have with playing teams who are who are nearer the bottom? I think is 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 breaking them down because certainly these teams aren't going to um, come up against us and 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 necessarily um, allow us to to get in behind them a lot, you know. But but Brighton are a little bit different. They they like to play a certain way and and they like to get on the ball and and pass it around. And certainly last season in the two games we played against them, you know, they had the better of it. Really, I know we won the first one. Um, late on, uh, Matt Target scored the winner in injury time, and they had ten men, but they they pretty much dominated that game, and um, they want to come and play. So it might not be, it might be a case where um, they come and have a go, and we and we we override them, we overpower them like we have done, say with Arsenal, or you know they they sit in a bit and they make it quite difficult for us, and then. And then, and then we we have to sort of break them down, which is, you know, is 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 certainly possible with the players we have. But 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 it's it, you know it's it's also one of those where you just never know. And 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 do they then hit you on the break because they've got some good good options going forward? So um, I just think as well, 
you know, that we talked to earlier, didn't we, about the bounce from this international break for, for one or two of our players, in particular Grealish. And, you know, I think, I think they're going to be pretty terrified of him. Um, you know, when, when he comes up against them, I don't think anyone really has an idea other than kicking him over. I don't think anyone has an idea of, of how to manage him at the minute. So, um, look, who knows? The first game after the international break is always a, a tough one to call, but I think we've got a better side than them. It's whether we show up, it's whether we, is it going to be an Arsenal performance or is it going to be a Southampton performance? And, and that's, that's, that's where we're at really. Now, as we usually end podcasts, I want short and simple, as always, score predictions. Mark, you first. Uh, 2-1 to the Villa, Neil Malpe scores first. Okay, and Andy? I'm going to go 3-0 to Villa. Ooh. I'm going to, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I th- I'm, uh, Watkins is going to get the better of the ex-Brentford strikers, I think, and he'll get another couple of goals. Definitely. What are you saying, Regan? Um. I'm going to say 1-0 to Villa and I'm going to say an unlikely scorer, Matt Target. Oh, oh I would love, would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Definitely. Right, I think that's probably it for this week's podcast. Thank you to anyone who actually watched us live over on Twitch TV. I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Um, it's, it's surely been fun. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do at Villa Lamp on Twitter, forward slash under a gaslit lamp on Facebook, at under a gaslit lamp on Instagram. Uh, please do leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Um, obviously, we're available on all platforms. So if, you, if you're listening to us somewhere and, and you'd rather listen to us somewhere else, we, we will be on it. Um, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and up the villa. <laughs>